Coons and Caddy Cat Coops out there. Coop DeVille, this is Respawn Aim Fire, the Kick-Ass Irreverent Gaming Podcast here with a special barf episode. If you're outside of our sphere and you don't know what barf means, it's not vomit. It's backlog accomplishment with Respawn <laughs> and friends. Uh, it's something we do. It's like a, a book club for games. We all play a game throughout the, the month and then we talk about it at the end of the month. I'm one of your hosts, or in this Chad case, Michael Ennis. Two months. That's one of our other hosts, Holden Two Months Departo. I am two months old. Two month old Departo, little baby bean. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, we are here talking today about Final Fantasy IX. You all voted for that over on Patreon.com/slash/respawnaimfire. Whoa! There we go. Pork chop in the chat on Twitch.tv/slash/affableidiots saying it's finally time. Hey. That's right. We're talking about it. Full on spoilers. This is your opportunity. If you haven't played Final Fantasy IX and you don't want to get spoiled, full-on spoilers. I will give you an extra 15 seconds while I tell you. You can also listen to this on demand. YouTube.com slash blah, blah, blah. Or on uh, podcast services around the globe. And uh, you can go to YouTube. Sorry. Affableidiots.com. Get all the links to all of the different YouTubes and podcast stuff. And also be on the show. With that being said, spoiler time is over. I'm sorry, spoiler time is just beginning. Spoiler cautionary tale is just now <laughs> over. I love what Brent says. It's finally time. By the way, I've never played this game before, but I'm going to listen to it anyway. <laughs> I'm thinking he was a huge fan. He was so excited to finally hear his, our thoughts on it. This one won't be quite as uh, affecting for you, spoiler-wise, as The Last of Us Part Two was for you, Brent. Um, let's jump in with, we usually start these with a little bit of background info about the game. Um, first of all, background info about why I chose the game. Sorry, I suggested the game as one of four, our patrons chose the game. Should um, I just add to the fact the whole election is rigged? It's all rigged. <laughs> it's all rigged. <laughs> this is one of the few <laughs> Final Fantasy games that I have not, mainline games that I haven't played. Um, so I was eager to play it. I've played a lot of them. I was eager to play it, but also uh, a, a mutual friend of ours, Daniel Newman, this is his favorite game. And he was always asking, excuse me, he was always asking all the time, have you played Final Fantasy IX? When are you guys going to play Final Fantasy IX? So I'm like, fine, I'll play it, I'll play it. But I didn't always want to play it because I look at some of the screenshots and I'm like, oh my gosh, this looks like nothing like Final Fantasy VII. And it turns out that's <laughs> on purpose. Here's some background on the game. The game came out in 2000, and it was developed by Squaresoft. Obviously, this is before they became Square Enix. It came out in 2000, and it was developed alongside Final Fantasy VIII. They were co-developed at the same time. And the idea was that they wanted this to be a departure from the most recent Final Fantasy VI, VII, and VIII. They were all futuristic, and they wanted this to be kind of a reflection of all of the origins of Final Fantasy, rooted in that medieval feel um, with all the mages and and that classic RPG, uh, those classic RPG elements. So that was the idea behind it. It did get a delay so that it wouldn't conflict with Dragon Quest VII, which was from rival Enix uh, at the time as well. So that's interesting to note. But... Uh, yeah, Brent just noted he is as old as Final Fantasy IX. And fun fact about the date, 2000. I was reading this, I was like, really? It came out that recently? There's no way this game came out 10 years ago. And then I realized, oh, I'm old now, and 2000 was 21 years ago. <laughs> not 10 years ago, as my brain likes to think it was. 
Uh, fun facts about the game. It introduced a lot of new features for the series, like the active time event cutscenes, the Mognet, uh, and some skill systems. It was also the last game in the main series whose music was composed solely by Nobuo Uematsu. And critically, it was received very, very well. In fact, it is the highest rated Final Fantasy game on Metacritic with a uh, 94, I believe it is. Uh, 94 on Metacritic. The highest rated Final Fantasy game on Metacritic. So received very, very well. It didn't quite sell as much as Final Fantasy 7 VII and 8. Uh, the last figures that we have was as of 2016, the original PlayStation version sold 5.5 million copies. It's been since, you know, remastered and re-released on iOS, uh, HD remaster and released on PS4 and Xbox One, but we don't have figures for those. That's a little bit about the background of the game, a little bit about the development of it. Um, Holden, I want to structure this in, with three main sections, four main sections I've decided right now. One, overall impressions. Two, talk about story. Three, characters. Four, battle system. Overall impressions. Boom. Go. My overall impressions are, I really liked this game at the very beginning of it, but what happens with a lot of JRPGs in general is the longer the story goes on, the longer I say, why? Why is this so long? And I started to get kind of bored with it, and I stopped paying as much attention to the story, which then means I miss out on things. So... I don't appreciate when bigger things start to happen, but then something happens that calls back to way earlier in the game, and then I can appreciate that, and then I'm confused again. And even though I've heard this is the most straightforward Final Fantasy story, there are points where I'm still kind of going like, huh? Why? Oh, I probably missed something. And that also impacted the gameplay for me, <laughs> where like, <laughs> I'm going around town to find potions, and I had to look that up because I just didn't know I was supposed to look for potions because I was just skipping through the dialogue because I was so bored. <laughs> That's the moment I knew when I was like, oh, Holden's not going to have a good time with this game. When you told me, oh, yeah, I skipped all the thing and now I don't know where the potions are. I was like, oh, fuck, Holden. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that and that's that's my own fault. That's not the game's fault. Um, it's just like me and how I approach RPGs. Um, but like overall, like, I still like I, – I go I think considering this is a game from the PlayStation 1, I still liked it. It still was a good RPG. I like the battle system because it still it has this really good balance of it is turn based, but not really because it has that kind of that progress bar of like or what is that called the progress Active bar? Time you know what I'm talking battle, about like ATB. Yeah, the, yeah, that um, where it kind of adds like a tension and a stress to it where you're like, I need to heal um, Zidane, but Dagger's thing is not loading up fast enough. Like it kind of makes the battles much more engaging than a traditional turn based game would be. Um, so really the battle system, I think that's what kind of kept me through the entire game, I would say. I um, This will go on as one of my biggest gaming regrets is that I beat what would be a 40-hour game in 21 hours because I didn't start it soon enough and I knew I had to finish it by the end of the month. And I really, really liked the story of this game a lot. And the further I got into it and the more cheats I had to use to get through it, the more I was like, <laughs> fuck, I wish I had given this the actual proper treatment and played it as it was intended to be. Because there were so many points where I'm like, oh my gosh, I just picked up this new item and it has a new skill or a new uh, um, spell that I want to use. I'm going to put that on this person and I'm going to wait till that gets all the way up to there. And then as soon as that is completely learned, then I'm going to swap that out with this one. I wanted to tinker nonstop with all of this shit. But the closer I got to the end of the game, and I was using 
uh, I'll talk about the cheats in a second, but the closer I got to the end of the game, the less and less that mattered because of the cheats I was using. But I was still mm -hmm. able to thankfully, you know, get all of the story without having to necessarily have all the difficulty of the combat system. Um, we'll talk more in depth. Yeah, disclaimer about for me as well. I did turn that on right around actually Olivart. Is that the name of the location? Right around there, I just turned on all the cheats and just like ran through the rest of the story at that yeah. point. It's a it's a little bit of a one cheat is a gateway drug to all the rest of the cheats because you start with just I turned on <laughs> the two time like I, it feels like maybe three or four times, but just like the fast forward mode, so I could run around mm -hmm. a little bit more on the overworld map. Um, so that I could speed up some things like the hunt. I also didn't realize that the hunt, uh, it speeds up your walking speed and it speeds up the battle speed, but it doesn't speed up the timer. So I was able to like get a trillion bazillion points in that really easily. Um, <laughs> so anything that required a timer, fast forward does not affect the timer itself, but you actually move quicker. Um, so yeah, I, I started with just that. And then I was like, oh, I really need to get from here to there. And I got to do it quickly because I'm running out of time. So I'm like, let me just turn on the no random encounters. And then you have no random encounters turned on, which means you're not gaining experience, which means you're not leveling up, which means eventually whenever you get to mandatory boss battles, you're gonna be like, I'm not strong enough for this one. Let me turn on the battle assistance that keeps your health and your MP up and automatically makes you trance mode all the time. And then you're there. And then eventually <laughs> it's like, well, it doesn't matter how powered up or how invulnerable I am. There's no way I'm going to beat this boss with the weapons and the experience that I've got right now. So I got to turn on 9999 damage mode as well. So it's just like, and then once you have all of those turned on, it's impossible to go without turning any of them, without turning yeah. them off. Well, because your characters haven't leveled up that much. So right. you, if you turn it on, like you're just totally screwed. Yeah. Yep. Although sometimes I found the cheats could screw you. When I first turned on the, the 9,999 hit points, I was going to Olivart and part of that is you have to go to the desert and you have to go to the sand, like the sand guys. The, like there's like the – you have to find something secret in the in the desert on the eastern side of that little continent. But there are sand monsters there and they use this whirlwind attack on you, which mm -hmm. makes you attack your, your, your friends instead. So I just attacked my friends with 9,999 <laughs> hit points and I ended up killing off everybody. And I'm like, shit. <laughs> so, first encounter with cheats and I screwed myself. <laughs> Yeah, and it really made um, some of the last boss battles, despite having all of those cheats on, it really made them harder because uh, – no, I mean no spoilers here. Obviously – well, sorry. Yes, spoilers here. The entire end of the game is basically just a boss rush of like 30 different bosses back to back to back. Mm -hmm. And Lots of if dragons. you haven't leveled up and your health is not very high, it doesn't matter if you have the battle assistance on – if the damage would have killed you in one hit, you're going to die. You're not invulnerable. So if I have 900 hit points, but the boss at the end of the game does 2,000 hit points per hit, that person's going to die, which made things really difficult kind of towards the end there for me. What, uh, what was your level in your characters like roughly by the time you got to the end of the oh, game? I have no idea. I saw, Literally halfway through the game, I stopped caring about any of that. Okay. I didn't. I might have lucked out there because I played the game long enough yeah. without the cheats, so that might have helped me out a little bit. I can t I can tell you that by the time I got to that final area, um, two of my four party members that I ended up going with had below a thousand health. 
<laughs> yeah, that must have been really hard. Yeah. <laughs> so that made things really, really difficult uh, as well. But overall, I enjoyed the game a lot. I liked it a lot, and I wish that I would have given it a proper shot because I know that I'm not going to go mm-hmm. back and try this again until probably it gets some kind of like 12K remaster uh, in 30 years. <laughs> On PS7. Right, exactly. There's, I'm not going to spend another 40 hours going back through and, and trying this game again. But uh, I want to start by by looking a little bit at the story of the game, which you found, I from from what I gather, a little bit incomprehensible um, based on your experience. It, yeah, just based on having missed certain things. It's really more about that. The story itself doesn't seem like it's that complicated. It's kind of like, wait, what? When do they mention that? When was that referenced? Kind of like the later parts where kind of characters' backstories kind of tend to tie back in towards the end, it seems. But it felt like there wasn't a setup for me because I missed it. Or it was like two and a half – or not two and a half months ago, but like a month and a half ago where I played that portion of the game and I might have forgotten that little bit of context about like Zidane not knowing where he came from, for example – um, like that seemed really out of the blue for me. And I'm like, well, oh, I actually think they did mention it at the beginning of the game. Anyway, we're getting ahead of myself. Sorry. I, when I was reading up about the game, they actually mentioned that they wanted so much of this focus to be on characters. And, and that's kind of why they made them, why they designed the game the way they did. It's like, we want this to really be a character piece and all about this journey with these people. And I felt like that really came through. <clears throat> I really enjoyed the, the themes of like what am what am I here for? Why am I alive? What do mm-hmm. I like with with Vivi, you know, contemplating like, am I literally just uh, something that's created out of thin air for one purpose alone and it's just to kill things and I'm just like a malfunctioning one of those? And <clears throat> all the way to <clears throat> Oh my god, I'm gonna freaking die right now. Hold on. <laughs> all the way to Zidane at the very end of it, thinking about, you know, if I was born with one purpose in mind to go and cause chaos on this planet in order for us to take it over and like, can I overcome that? Do I have to live up to that purpose? And, and then, Oh, it's, it's all about also like overcoming predestination or fate and, or whatever you might be born into. And you can really do whatever you want and friendship and and your journey along the way with all of your friends. I feel like those themes really, uh, shone through, really well and i really connected with a lot of it but especially the black mages thing like it's not just vivi being curious like who am i and and what am i doing here on this earth but also like the the automated ones that were successful and then they slowly start waking up and becoming self-aware and then they realize over time they're like we only have a year to live. We, we, some of us are starting to die off and it's just, we just stop working. It's not, they don't call it dying. They're just like, they, they stop one day. And then they're like, what do we do with the time that we planned have Planned obsolescence. <laughs> That's what it was. It was all, it was all a planned yeah. obsolescence. That's why your iPhone 5S <laughs> doesn't work anymore. <laughs> but no, I, I thought that was really, um, that was a, a really interesting thing to do. Like we have a year we're self-aware. What do we do with that information? We create this small town in the middle of nowhere and we all just live and support each other. And it was really, really cool to experience that. 
and it also plays into character dynamics as well. Like early on in the game, one of my favorite kind of parts of the story, but kind of the part that kind of got me into it, like, oh, this is going to be good, was when you have Steiner and Zidane kind of going at it because they both need to take care of the princess for very or dagger for very different reasons, and they are kind of conflicting in that way because they have this conflicting purpose. And Steiner is just very like. I am the like the head of the knights. I'm protecting Dagger. That's what I'm doing. So I'm going to work with you guys right now, but it's only to protect her, but we're going to Alexandria. We're not going to Lindblom. Like that kind of dynamic was really cool and kind of that purpose played into it. I actually hadn't viewed it in the terms of purpose like that, but you're right. Like it totally is a consistent theme throughout the entire story from the yeah. very beginning. And for Steiner, it's it's the like the same idea of what is my purpose in life, but taken to the extreme where, you know, Vivi's mm-hmm. kind of lost, whereas Zidane kind of feels like he knows what he wants to do, but then it turns out he's like, wait a minute, I was created for this, whereas Steiner's like, this is what I'm doing for the rest of my life, this is my life's purpose, and then suddenly he's like, yeah. what if what you were doing wasn't for the right reasons, or what if what you were doing was under the tyrannical rule of someone that who's didn't have your best interest in mind, and suddenly he's like, fuck, yeah. now what do I do? And also in the case of uh, Queen Bran, if it's not your purpose, but someone else is giving you or manipulating your purpose, yep. which kind of manipulates everything else around you. Yeah, so I, I really enjoyed those themes throughout this the story, and I felt like I connected with it a lot. That you can, you're not what you are predestined or born into, born into, um, mm-hmm. and that. What's going on, Evan? How you doing? Hey, Evan. Hey, Evan. What's up, Bub Drum? Um, <laughs> yeah, I really, really love the themes. Uh, with that, it kind of connects easily to characters. What were some of your favorite characters who was like, oh, my God, that guy's a piece of horse shit? <laughs> uh, there weren't really any characters I disliked, um, but I liked Vivi. I kind of liked just how he got into the story in the first place, like wanting a ticket to get into the show. Very small stakes. He just kind of happens into this big situation. I liked that. Um, I think Dagger was intrigued me immediately at the beginning because of – there's this great twist or turn, I guess, that happens in the story where you're like, oh, like damsel and, you know, not damsel distress, but like we got to save um, like Dagger. We got to take her away. We're going to kidnap her. And and then she's like, no, I'm going to go with you. And immediately like she's willingly wanting <laughs> right. to go. And immediately they just like change it. I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait a it second. It wasn't even and that. It, just, it, was, it was like we were trying to kidnap her. And then we finally yeah. get alone with her. And she goes, will you kidnap me? And like, fucking yeah. what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that immediately makes her really, really interesting. And then like her, like having to learn how to not be herself and to be a, a common folk, if you will, uh, by learning different like terminology, like that kind of stuff. Like I liked her character a lot in that way. Um, I feel like she learned a lot. And I also felt like the moment that I had the most like, oh, heartbreak in the whole story is when she it's two parts. She realizes that her mom is not actually evil and that she's being manipulated. And then when her mom dies yeah. and it's just, it's crushing. Cause you think like, Oh, because the whole story you're thinking, Oh, we're going to beat queen brand. That's, that's like the, the evil villain of this. And you realize what's really going on. And she's just, again, being manipulated. Her purpose has been, you know, is, uh, is deceptive in that way. Cause of Kuja, um, and the hurt that the dagger is going to have. And now she's gone from like, I have to escape, you know, the royal family, basically. I have to blend in with the common people. I have to lead Alexandria now. Oh, shit, Alexandria has been destroyed. Like, she just deals with so much in that story. 
it's really also it's the coolest moment of the whole game is when the Alexandria Castle has like the wings and shit and like takes yes, down the Alexander that. And, like, it's, yeah <laughs> yeah awesome that was awesome yeah so I think Dagger's my favorite probably Dagger was real I I love that they fleshed her out and and made her just so complex and deep and I I started to dislike Zidane right off the bat because it just seemed like yeah. <laughs> it just seemed like oh I'm just gonna go around and hit on literally anything with boobs and it's yep. just like oh my god this is disgusting but then like how he starts to actually develop these feelings for Dagger and and he's all nervous about it and he's like oh there was one point when uh what was her name Aiko E I Aiko and she's like obsessing Aiko. over I think it's Aiko actually like I think it's Aiko and yeah. he goes and he just says to himself, oh, shit, is this what I sound like to women? <laughs> and I'm like, yes, that is what you sound like. Um, so he started to grow on me, especially towards the end once he figured out what he was, that he was this alien race that was here to dominate things. And he's like, I don't give a fuck. I'm still here to be with my friends. And he, like, he basically serves as a life coach for, our, for everyone in his party. And he's like, I have mm-hmm. values, I have morals, and I stick to them. And even though... What's the guy with the red hair? Um, oh, blunt, not blunt. Um, blank. No, 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 not blank? not blank. The like really asshole guy with the claws. Oh, I had it in my party. I forgot his name. <laughs> uh, He's one of the bounty hunters, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even at the end of the, towards the end of the game, when like. He's like, oh, I'm better than you. I'm going to jump into the top of the tower. I'm going to escape first. And then you get down to the bottom of the tower, and he's not there. And he's like, fuck, I, I can't leave him behind. I know this guy's an asshole. I know he wants something to do with me. But, like, that's that's not who – like, I really respected that. So he started to grow on me towards the end as well. Um, Vivi, obviously, that was, like, his whole – I think we've talked about him also enough, but his whole course from of From a gameplay standpoint, I? too – sorry, I interrupted you um, – from a gameplay standpoint as well, Vivi's just good because he is the black mage and he is really powerful when you start getting the the greater spells. Less important when you're using the cheats and everyone just hitting with any weapon is 9,999, yeah. whatever. Um, but at, like early on, like he was super useful just to have in your party. Especially and I really felt like I was missing something when the, he wasn't there. The team up between him and Steiner and you could use the sword yeah, magic. Yeah, the fire sword. That shit was, yep. whew, what a cool little element there. Were there? I, I don't think there were any other like character duo like team up things other than that. Were there? I don't think so. No, not that I saw at least. Um, who did you use the most, and why? And who did you never use, even given the opportunity? Um, so my three go tos were always um, Zidane, just because you have to have him. Yep. Um, and then um, Vivi because his magic's so powerful, and then um. Which are dagger because just the, the healing magic and all that. But then when I got Ico, and then later on when I got um, the nine, I started using the chief for nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine. I just started keeping um, Zidane, Vivi, um, uh, Dagger, and Ico in my team because I had two healers, and then it didn't really matter who was attacking. And I just wanted Vivi to be there because I, I just like the way Vivi looks. <laughs> I just wanted <laughs> to have it in my team for that reason. Um, so that ended up being my lineup. I think, yeah, as as often as I could, I was Zidane, obviously, um, Vivi as much as I could, and then Steiner. I felt like Steiner was like my my tank, my damage dealing. Anytime that I could, I would have Steiner mm-hmm. in there. 
Um, I got afraid to use Steiner because there was a period where he isn't in the story as much. Yeah. Therefore, he doesn't level up. And I was like, oh, but I have these characters that are like seven levels higher than Steiner at this point. And it feels like I didn't want to bring – I was too afraid to bring him in. But maybe I should have. I I yeah. really enjoyed his gameplay too. Um, And then I had usually a healer, whether that was Ico or Dagger. Uh, more often than not, I would want Ico in there, mostly because I, you know, obviously, cheating, not using the the right way to play the game, and uh, Ico had Cura <laughs> versus just Cure at yep. the time, so I was like, oh, all right, well, you're now in the party, and nobody else is. <laughs> um, I I did enjoy the in in Final Fantasy IV, I think it was they call them Dragoon Knights, but in this one is just Dragon Knights, uh, Freya. Freya with, you know, the jump ability, oh, yeah, being yeah. able to be off the screen, but then do high damage on the second turn, kind of like dig in Pokemon. Um, I really or fly, appreciated, even like fly. Yeah, or fly. Uh, I really appreciated that little gameplay tweak. Um, I hated playing as, got the red-haired guy, the bounty hunter. That's going to piss me off mm-hmm. that I can't remember the name. Um, I really, I really did not enjoy playing as him at all. Mostly because I didn't like his he, character. Like, I didn't like who he was as a person. I was like, oh, you're a piece of shit. Oh, I'm better than you. Oh, I'm never going to change. It's like, well, I don't even want to play as you right now. <laughs> I don't even <laughs> want you on my screen. Um, so, yeah, I, I almost rarely played as him. And then there's someone else. Who am I missing? Oh, the fucking oh, frog Kino. eater. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, quinoa yeah, yeah. salad. Um, I didn't. <laughs> I I started to play as as what Quinn Quina Quain something. I call Kina, but it's Kino. probably wrong. The what was really interesting. I really liked that. Like how progressive for the year two thousand. That any time that they had a pronoun referring to that person, it was always s slash he, like she or he or he or she. Like, didn't they change that though recently? Is that something that happened? I think that happened recently. Oh, I don't know. I, I obviously I, played the I'm remaster HD on on PS4. Oh, PS4 emulator. Yeah, me me too. Um I'm gonna look, I don't I don't know for sure, but for some reason I feel like I read that. Either way, representation is good. The thing that I found frustrating about that character is that it it's blue magic, which traditionally in Final Fantasy is like, oh, you have to have a spell used on you and then you absorb that spell and you can use it on other things. So it's like a little bit of a little bit of Pokemon in there, but I didn't quite understand the eating mechanic where you had to like weaken an enemy and then eat it and then you can get its spell. And then it became yeah, like I a waste of a time lot. because, it, because to weaken an enemy without killing it was so laborious. And then you didn't even realize if it like, does it even have anything worth eating? And then you eat it and you learn some piece of shit spell. I'm like, oh, nah, I'm going to, I'm just going to avoid you at all costs as well. And it was like written out of the story because it's a, it's not a character that I think you have to have throughout it. I think it's something like an optional character that you could pick up. Um, so I didn't even, it wasn't even in the story. Yeah, you don't have time. to. Yeah. But, um, you can't find anything. I, what was I going to say? I completely lost my train of thought. Well, let's then move into battle system. Talking about yeah, the battle system, battle system, and gameplay moments. Um, I the one thing about this game, if I had played it correctly, 
that I would have dinged it a, a ton for is how slow the battles are at regular speed. Oh my mm-hmm. god. I I understand I understand the choice. It's because of the active time battle system and you know the the slowly progressing bar and making sure that you have time to make the right educated choices about what you're going to do before the next thing fills up and you're taking turns and I understand so that you feel like you're confident in the choices that you're making and you have enough time to make them, but I also feel like you wouldn't need that much time if the menus were better. Like the fact that if I want to use a spell from Vivi that's like Thundaga, for instance, and that is 12 down the list of spells, even if there are blank gaps of spells I haven't learned, I've still got to go all the way down every time I use that spell, which is a huge waste of time. And Or if I'm mm-hmm. using an item and that item's way at the bottom of my items list. Jesus Christ, it took way too long to get there. <laughs> And so I understand that maybe like the slowness of the battles was to account for you having to find and look. But I think those menus could have been much better organized or like if there are blank spots in there, just fucking get rid of the blank spots and condense my options. (laughs) That was so fucking dumb. But that was my that was my biggest complaint with the items list works that way. They don't have a slot in the items list for every single possible item you could ever get in the game. But for spells, for some reason, they do have it work that way. So it's not like a code. It's not like a. Um, I mean, it's a coding problem, but it's not like it's a, um, like a computational problem. Like to like parse out all those and like get rid of them or something like that. Because computer would have to think about that. But uh, it, it just it just seems like it was like they missed it for some reason. Was, yeah, that was weird. That the slowness of the battles itself didn't bother me as as much. If you know, it did bother me as much as starting a battle. And so you'll start a battle and it'll be like a blank black screen for a while and you're like, did it freeze? What's happening? And then it'll go into the the battle, which is just like 50 shots of like panning around and showing different <laughs> things. And I'm like, I just want to fight. Like, I just want to get in and do it. What are you doing right now? And that was aggravating. Saving was even slow. And then I realized when I sped up the game, that that's just an animation. It's not actually <laughs> taking that much time to load. Yeah. Oh man. I would it often. Was aggravating. I would often play in two times fast forward or three times fast forward until I hit a battle. I would wait for the intro to the battle to play, and then I would pause on uh, go regular time, and then do the battle itself. And that was before you know. Once I started doing nine 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 damage every hit, I would just like. Keep it at max speed, and I'll just, like, attack with everybody. It doesn't matter what they have in their fucking hands. I'm just going to attack. Yeah. But that's what I would do to kind of overcome the intro of, like, look at the walls of where you're about to fight, and then here's a chandelier, and there are the bricks on the ground. And then also, <laughs> here's the back of your head. <laughs> it's like, just let me fucking hit fight, please. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I also didn't really come to appreciate the trance system. It's it's a little bit of a weird take on the limit break that was introduced. I think it was introduced in Final Fantasy VII, and I just didn't understand what or like what contributed to it going up, and how often and why. And by the time I got there, what I didn't like. By the time I got there, it was such a limited use thing. Like you had two turns to use it, and then it went away. Yeah, but like. If I had to use an item to heal at that time, it's like, well, what a fucking waste of this trance that I'd been building up for mm-hmm. an hour and a half. Um, yeah. Whereas, like, a limit break in Final Fantasy VII, it's just like, all right, you're at your limit break until you use it. 
so yeah, I didn't quite understand. And everyone's was a little bit different. Like some of them were just like, you hit harder. And some of them were like, you get these weird special moves. And Vivi was like, you get to cast magic twice now instead. That was nice though. That yeah, was that great. Was. I think part of that too is when you're, I think it's based on damage and how much damage you take in. That's kind of what I, how I read into it, but it, it never, I don't think it tells you at any point. It tells so I feel you like something like you're doing, it's like emo, it's an emotional response or something like that. But I don't know what that, yeah. what that means. I think because we're, um, because I never really experienced it almost at all in the last portion of the game when I was using nine, 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 nine. And I think because you're using nine to nine, you're getting through the battles faster. You're not getting hit as much. It doesn't trigger trance to 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 go up, so like unless you're in a boss battle where you have to hit a boss, you know, two or three times <laughs> um, <laughs> to beat them, um, and they don't have an opportunity to hit you, it it can be kind of pointless. But I do knowing how Final Fantasy VII works that way, that definitely sounds better because you're right the the randomness of it, where like you called it out exactly my frustration with it, you need to heal. And you feel like, oh, I need to heal, but I don't want to waste his attack because I think I'm almost at the boss. Or I'll just attack him. And then you attack him, he hits you, you're dead, and you're like, damn it. Or you go to choose attack, then the boss hits you, and it's like, well, it wouldn't have mattered anyway, but it still bothers me that, like, I guess it doesn't matter. It wouldn't have bothered me anyway. But it just <laughs> felt like, uh, it didn't sit with me very well. Yeah. I did appreciate about the battle system, the and this kind of goes hand in hand with the characters. I appreciated two things. One that everyone had their own unique, like, skills or kind of character class almost. You know, you had the black mage, you had mm-hmm. the white mage, you had the summoner, you had the um, the dragon knight. And that made... So, sometimes what I hate about JRPGs is when anyone can be anything, and then suddenly I'm like, well, fuck. Who do I invest all of my white magic into? Who do Who's going to be my person who attacks with swords all the time but then also do i want them to learn magic what if they had swords and magic and then they're a jack of all trades and they're not good at anything so i often have that kind of anxiety about whenever anyone can be anything so i'm glad that they had these defined roles they could only learn certain skills or certain spells that was really helpful to me but i also appreciated that throughout the game the eight or nine ten characters if you count like beatrix um the the several different characters that you had to play and you were forced to play as throughout the time it was like a really cool way to swap up uh, to switch out the fact that like oh we have our favorite four characters and we're not going to just play them throughout the entire game it mm-hmm. forces you to use everyone and it's constantly rotating uh i, yeah. I really really appreciated that to, to provide some kind of like to shake up things a little bit yeah i like the rotating the characters as well it made moments like the alexandria fight interesting where it's beatrix and steiner and like man beatrix is a badass like you kind of kind of appreciate this different character in the moment i liked that too i do feel like i was the opposite when it came to um any character can be anything i i, I really wanted that and i felt like well zidane is always zidane so i'm, I'm not really going to bother like customizing his his items and all that i'm just going to go to the item and uh, items menu and choose optimize and then the game will know better than me what what to pick. And so I just did that all the time. I just kind of felt like at a certain point the kind of RPG element of of there's basically there's two types of role playing games. There is you are playing a specific role, and then there's the you make up the role that you're playing in the game. And this was definitely in that you're playing a specific role. This is a Dan, but it felt like to me like kind of separate from an RPG at that point, or at least for what I look for in an RPG. It felt very like strict. Whereas, you know, 
a Fallout, for example, I can be like, nope, I'm going to invest my time in hacking abilities, and I want to be really good at that, and I can kind of tailor my character. I would have liked that, but obviously, it's I can't complain about that, though, because that's just not what this game was or even trying to be. Yeah, and I feel like it's different, too, whenever you are a person going through it, like in Fallout or Bioshock or something like that, versus you have a yeah. party of people, too. Um, yeah, yeah. And trying to customize everybody separately. Yeah, it's not like, for me, it's not a criticism of the game. It's just more of a, this is a, one of the reasons why this game didn't click for me as much as other RPGs has. It's kind of, yeah. Outside of the kind battle system, from. what stood out about the gameplay for you? Were there any um, like, moments where you're like, whoa, that was a really cool moment? Or like, what? man, that was a piece of shit system? Or Are you talking about battles specifically or just any part of the game? It could be battles. It could be like, uh, one, one thing in particular for me is that like, I hated that card game. I fucking hated oh, I never Tetra it. whatever. Never played it. You never played <laughs> Unless it? Unless I had even... to. Yeah, there was a, a couple of stories yeah, you had, had to. to play it. Yeah. But I, I played it a little bit at the beginning. I played it whenever you had to play it at the Coliseum for the story. And then in that mm. final uh, area, like the boss rush area for the last couple hours, mm-hmm. um, occasionally you'd run into like a ghost somewhere and all you could do is battle them. And it would that's how you would get like really, really good cards like Hades and, and ribbons and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was awful, and I, I I beat all of them once. But yeah, I was like, why the why do they have such a convoluted, weird, seemingly random ass ruled game? When like a card that's like, yeah, they don't like, tell you what the numbers are. They're like, these numbers could mean anything. Who knows what the M and the P is? And the second one could be defense. Somebody's like, oh, maybe the first <laughs> one's attack and the last ones are defense. But then sometimes the numbers at the end are like EM. And I'm like, what the fuck does EM mean? <laughs> I just started picking cards based on, well, I have some cards that point to the left diagonally, but got nothing that goes up right diagonally, so I guess I'll have a card that points <laughs> that direction, I guess. I don't know what they do. Uh, that's that, that was my approach. <laughs> Somehow I made it. <laughs> um, my my kind of standout thing, I said, like, the battle systems and all that, and I know, like, they're not the most high-fidelity um like CGI cutscenes, but I really liked the CGI cutscenes. Oh, me too. I thought they added, and this kind of goes back to the story, but like, I think they added a lot of excitement. Like, they're really memorable moments. We already mentioned out the Alexandria, like, um, um, Alexandra, um, summon going after Bahamut or whatever his name is. Like, that moment, amazing. Um, the moment where, um, you're on the airship escaping from the third or Black Waltz three or something like that on oh, his yeah. ship, and you're trying to get to Lund- Lundbloom, and you make it, and then you get to Lundbloom, and it's this like hugely epic city. And, like I'm like, this place is badass. That was that moment alone is probably my, one of my favorite moments in the game too, in terms of like exploration and seeing the world itself. So there's some really really great moments that came from from those cutscenes, including. Queen um, Bran when she dies like that was heartfelt because it's not this like text box you're reading it like is in that CG you can see the characters more Uh, those were handled really well and considering they're on PlayStation 1 was more impressive yeah that was that was really impressive and even there were a couple there were a couple of them when it was like kind I guess it was pre-rendered or maybe even in engine environment being animated with the actual character model like like Zidane at the very end running away from the tree and like jumping on branches and shit like that yeah like it was clearly his character model on top of the pre-rendered backgrounds coming to life mm-hmm. um which I thought for the PS1 must have been like a crazy strenuous uh, task <laughs> to pull off 
and you could always tell those when you're playing in fast forward and you don't get the opportunity to like they don't warn you that a cgi cutscene is coming so sometimes the cgi cutscenes will be in fast forward on accident i'm like damn it but those were always since they were in engine and they were running like those were the ones that'd be like even if i was in fast forward they were playing at regular speed and i was like oh that's something's different about this one i don't know what it is that they're doing but something's different about it the playstation you playing on playstation 4 well ps5 on ps4 game on ps5 oh, ps5 right uh yeah the ps5 just can't handle it like <laughs> <laughs> too it much yeah i need more liquid for that cooling <laughs> um one one kind of knock against the game that I think I have is like progression in exploration, like the the pacing mm-hmm. out of of being able to explore the the world. I feel like, you know, so much of the game was like, how do I get from Alexandria to Lindblom? It was like this trek, and it was like this whole process to get there. And then cool, I'm in Lindblom now. I've got to go all the way to this other area and find this hidden city where the ancients used to summon people and all that kind. Of- and then there's a point at the game in which everything just completely flips and a character's like a character's in Lindblom and like, alright, we have to go to Alexandria. Cut to black. Alright, we're in Alexandria now. And I'm like, that would have taken me four hours to do at the beginning of the game, but now it's just like cut to black and I'm there. Like, where's the where's me <laughs> where's the trek to us getting there? Or or towards the end of the game whenever it's suddenly like It's like lost. Or like they have to travel across the whole island. Yes. There's like episodes about it. And then like future seasons, it's just like, they're there. Yep. They made yep. it. <laughs> and then you get the boat for a little bit. And then the boat is there for like a hot second. And then it's gone. And then you're just warping around again with cutscenes. And then you get the airship. And now with the airship, it's suddenly like the whole map is accessible out of nowhere. And you're like, where do I go now? So I yeah. wish that would have been like, I don't know. I just feel like it all came in a flash. And suddenly I'm not exploring the map anymore and I'm just like warping from places I've already been. Also, just exploring the map in general when you're even just walking around. I did not like that experience. Oh, no. Like why you, sometimes mapping you don't even the know. controls to the – I guess maybe because they did – not everyone had the dual analog on PS1. Yeah. But yeah, it, the shoulder buttons be, was not a good experience. That and it's not obvious which – polygon shape on top of the grass is a city or a forest you can go into so it's i remember when um when i went to go was it right when you get um kina and you there's that forest right outside the gate and and that's where kina is i didn't know that's where kina was so i just spent like literally an hour just running across the map, going to the edge and just running along everything, trying to find out where to go, what to do. And I didn't even realize I could walk up to a patch of grass and and enter the forest. (laughs) I was so confused by that. And that's just a limitation at the time. Um, But man, was that frustrating. That was really frustrating. Yeah. I also, for... For all the shit that I have for, like, I, I hate games where there's like, we're going to throw a trillion really tough bad guys on you all in a row, like, for the end of this game, the boss rush. For how much shit I want to give that, it was also, like, really cool. Like, that whole fucking mm-hmm. world, especially once you start, like, walking upside down across, yeah. and, and then suddenly you're, like, walking in space and twirling around and shit mm-hmm. like that. That was all really cool, and I feel like really, really well done for a PS1 game to be able to realize that. Absolutely. So cool. All the environments are amazing. 
Yeah. Like, I loved pretty much any area I went to I enjoyed. And throughout the whole game, there's this escalation of them getting more fantastical as you go along. Um, there's some really, really cool stuff in there. I think that's all I have to say about Final Fantasy IX. Do you have any any closing thoughts on Final Fantasy IX? Having this discussion and now kind of looking back at the game almost in like hindsight, even though I beat it like a day ago, um, <laughs> I'm kind of actually appreciating it more through this conversation. Good. Than, Good. I, than I felt when I first beat the game. So yeah, play it. <laughs> um, not don't enjoy it during the playthrough, but then talk to someone who you host a podcast with for like you know about forty five yeah. minutes, and then you'll like the game. It's a really good it's game. like the movie Tenet. You watch it and you're like, what the fuck did I just watch? And then you talk to people about it. And you're like, oh, that movie's brilliant. But wait, hold on, I gotta watch it three more times and then talk about it four more times. And then <laughs> uh, no, I, I really really enjoyed the game. And like I mentioned, I just I I wish I had given it the proper a proper trial, a proper shake. Um, I do think that one day I'll probably go back and, and play it for real. But I do have bad news for you, though. What? There is no fast-forward mode in Red, in Red Dead Redemption 2. I know. I can't. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to... I got to... So what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to, like, I don't want to play it right now. So whenever I'm ready to play it, that's when I'm going to buy it. And I keep looking, and every week it's still 60 bucks. How is that game still 60 bucks? I think is is it on Game Pass now? Oh, Something fuck. about Red Dead's on Game Pass. Pass. That's what I'm doing 100%. Because I don't want those yeah. nasty-ass Red Dead trophies tainting my list. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I got to start that soon because it's that's going to be a trek. It's going to be an Ed truck. Yeah. His kappa's detated from Play like an hour every other day and you'll be done well before will i that's like 30 hours yeah. is that enough 30 40 hours yeah okay <clears throat> all right and then just like really abuse your horse and just constantly smack it to keep going faster <laughs> <laughs> you'll beat it a lot faster that way balls. you will not fall down anymore um <laughs> thank you everyone for listening thanks for participating in and choosing this game for us i'm really really happy i finally got to play this uh, as we mentioned, Red Dead Redemption 2 is for May and June. So in about a month and a week, about five weeks, six weeks, look for another poll on patreon.com slash respawn aim fire about what we're going to be playing in July and or August, yeah. depending on what you guys choose. Mm -hmm. Dope. Bye, everybody.